Coming to you from helping our music evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now, and welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of the Quinn Spin. I'm your host, the Quinn. I'm back here at Helping Our Music Evolve in East Nashville, the beautiful heart of Music City, Tennessee. And we're all the way at the end of November right now. It is November... 30th, I think, is the last Monday. Anyway, that is when this episode goes up, the last Monday in November, whatever the date is today. You just heard Revel 9's All I've Become, our opening theme song from 2014 and probably until the end of time. And I am joined in studio today by not one, not two, but three special guests. It's Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads joining me here. I'm very excited for this one. Thank y'all for coming out and joining us here on your busy Saturdays when we're recording this. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. Happy to have you. And so uh, we can answer these individually as a group, however you want. But I do ask every guest of the show three standard questions. And those are, who are you? What are you passionate about? And why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? Well, we are Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads. We are a dad rock band. And by that, I mean, we love classic rock. (laughs) (laughs) Jack FM with some smarm to it, mm-hmm. but uh, anyway, um, yeah, we're uh, we're here. We just released our our first full length record, so uh, this this coincided at a good time. Do some some press work, and it's been nice to just do something out of the COVID quarantine. It's nice to get out and about and do some music stuff. I'm uh, I'm John. I play drums in the band. Really, this whole dad rock movement's going to take over, and you know, we... it's going to come back around. You're right. Shorts and high socks everywhere. Shorts <laughs> and high socks everywhere. Yes. <laughs> We're bringing the guitar solo back, so. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. Uh, with that, I'm Ethan. I'm the guitar player. And to answer your last question, is that I've been following Gerard or the Quinn <laughs> for the last year or so, all of his different uh, uh, projects, and been a big fan. We're all been big followers and in like what he's doing in the circuit and the, the music scene here in town. And he's been nice enough to answer all my emails every, every single time we have a release. So, <laughs> it's getting harder to keep up too. So that you should feel special because I'll tell you that inbox is, is not being See? kind to me right now. <laughs> no, thank you for coming out. I appreciate it. And thanks for, of course, following what we do, but we're not necessarily here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you guys. So let's do that. And let's start from the beginning. Of course, we'll get to the album Twin Mind, which is out now. But first, I want to know how Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads came to be. So talk about your formative experiences in music and how they led you all together here. Well, I I came to Nashville. I'm originally from, from Philadelphia, and I came here about 10, 10 years ago, I think now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came down with a, a country, we were a country roadhouse band. It was a whole, whole other level. Um, literally, I was just was talking last night about how we played this roadhouse during a fist fight and we did the whole blues brothers thing and so i've come a, come a long way since then <laughs> thankfully um from the violence um and so i was playing in like a country rock band doing a lot of cover gigs that kind of thing and um and then eventually for reasons sort of related to the wildness of that i i left the band in search of 
doing something more more on my my terms. I was I was a bass player for that band, and um, I wanted to really. I'm a songwriter primarily, like more than anything. And so I was getting the itch to to do my own thing. I played in a few other bands around town that just never really, you know, like I'm sure fellow Nashville musicians know you you're you run the rounds and you play in a bunch of different bands and you kind of just find out who you are through that process, hopefully. Um, and so I recorded a my own EP just doing a singer songwriter thing just to con- just to do it I didn't really have any any plans to take it further than it did and um my husband encouraged me to start a band and play a few shows and follow up and I was like well okay like maybe you know just just play a few shows release it nothing big and then he started playing he helped me out playing bass and his younger brother John who's our drummer now joined up and then we had another roommate Cody playing guitar and then it was just you know friend hangout type of thing I wasn't taking it terribly seriously and we started playing a few shows and I realized how much I loved it <laughs> and I was like this is awesome I'm a I'm a leading a band like I didn't think I would ever kind of get to that point or have the confidence to get to that point really and I just ran with it and just a few lineup changes later now we're here so so the spark was ignited how about you guys uh from your perspective casey um she you know we talked back and forth about you know playing for the dads um and i was playing guitar for another band and uh she's like i know you're busy and all and you you got other things going on you're playing in you know a cover band as well so it you know might be hard for you to play drums and at that point i probably hadn't played drums in Oh gosh, I don't know, seven, eight years. You know, I played in high school, but that's pretty much it. So coming into this, I had a big task to kind of revisit these chops and and explore them. I I didn't even know you played drums until Brent was like, he's like, hey, you know, he plays drums. I was like, nah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's 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 just kind of like I'm almost like the black sheep of the family playing drums, you know, because my dad um, plays as well and both my brothers also play as well. But I was the first drummer in the band or in the family, so it kind of, you know. And in the band. And in the band, yeah. (laughs) Um, So when she reached out and was just like, you know, will you play? And I was just, yeah, sure. You know, know, my brother's girlfriend. So, yeah, I kind of want to help her out. And at that time, they were just boyfriend and girlfriend. Right, right. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, playing along with my brother as well and, Mm -hmm. and Cody, um, it, it helped me gain a lot of confidence playing drums and, and kind of lead the direction, be the backbone of the band. And then, um, once Cody left, um, we were kind of stuck not having a, lead guitar player so i was gonna ask yeah how, uh, how ethan came into the fold here yeah so the search went on um and then craigslist yeah craigslist craigslist so, worked out yeah wow. yeah. Nice. yeah um so and then uh my brother left the band too as well because he was leading his own band as well mm-hmm. he's being the front man but we got Ethan in, and then yeah, I guess that's where I come in. Um, I did, I came in later. I'm not sure exact. I know when I came in that they were working on um, putting out 
the first musical project under the name The Friday Night Dads with Casey Joe. Mm-hmm. And I had been in town for like a year or so and was looking for something to really sink my teeth into. I'd been in a few bands too, but I was just trying to kind of get my feet wet in the area. And then that's when I came across them online. They were looking for someone to replace the original guitarist. And uh, I heard the demo of what they were working on at the time, which was um, this this whole other thing that we actually recently released, the demo version of recently, but it was this whole other thing called work. Mm-hmm. And the demos that I heard was like, this is what I want to be a part of. This is like what I came out here looking for. It was like what I heard was like really raw blues rooted rock and roll music with like a really raw um, female voice at the front of it. And I, kn- I knew right then and there, I was like, everything else that I'm doing right now has been leading up to this moment to finding these people and everything else is going to take a backseat until I get a hold of these guys and get in there. And then when I came into the mix, work had already been written and mostly finished recording. And at that point is when we, when I came in is when we were starting on the songs from Twin Mind. I think the first, I'm not trying to get into it too much right now, but I think the first couple of songs had already partially been written for the album that's currently out now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's essentially where I came in. Mm-hmm. And so listening to you guys, I mean, there's a blend of sounds here. Of course, there's that blues rock, that Americana, kind of at the core of everything, and that that real prevalence of classic rock, but also this very like gritty, like almost grungy, like rawness to it. And it's all tied together with this brilliant structure right where you know it, it's accessible to to a wide audience and really has this broad appeal to listeners to fans all across different genres and so what i want to know is who are some of the artists that you all have looked to uh as you've crafted this sound as you found your own way as musicians i'm kind of across the board and i guess that's reflected in the music <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh my my dad was a big record collector, big music snob, and it just got passed on down along with his records. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like my my parents were both Grateful Dead, like Deadhead hippies, really into jazz and jam bands and that kind of thing, which I love. But of course, you know, growing up, I rebelled against that. And I wanted two minute punk songs, you know, so I'm kind of. And then, of course, like I got really into the 90s grungy, like a lot of the the girl bands like L7, Bikini Kill, that kind of era of stuff, all the like Nirvana Seattle-based stuff, and so I was a big 70s punk rocker, like CBGB's era, and then I go all the way back to early blues, finger-picking. That's, like, a lot of my guitar style just comes from early, like, Piedmont picking, blues picking, that kind of thing, so, and that's just kind of... (laughs) Really across the board. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so I'm like, I guess this is how it all kind of manifested, and... You know, I feel like it's I I like like by the book record collecting. I don't know, guess almost stereotypical <laughs> John Cusack and high fidelity like level of like random stuff like, and it just all it all kind of culminated and 
just became the band honestly became a reflection of that and I feel like really lucky to have found other people that kind of see that and we've been able to like tap into that and just a, a reflection of my self-indulgence basically <laughs> but but I feel like it's even Ethan will attest like I have no problem playing every single song as a 12 bar song <laughs> like but I know that that you know it gets it gets old and so it's nice to throw in those other influences and and styles too to kind of make this like melt, melting pot for lack of a better term and yeah. I'm glad that we can do music that's a reflection of just those various influences throughout the years and that's where the the dad rock thing came from i was like i feel like we just like go back into history and like honestly it's like a lot of the stuff my dad listened to Mm -hmm. and that's how that name kind of came about and the whole aesthetic of it yeah i think my more is like pop Mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm definitely more of the pop writer Mm -hmm. um and and like melody wise more more of the pop mm-hmm. um but also i mean i i really enjoy the classic rock you know all yeah. that stuff is what i grew up on mm-hmm. um you know but you know my brothers definitely helped me you know they influenced me in the music that i've listened to and um still continue to listen to today mm-hmm. um so you know trying to have that pop sensibility and the blues and the classic rock and trying to mold that all together and, and form it into one has really been a cool experience and to be able to to try and mesh everything together. And I think, you know, for Ethan, probably is more along the classic rock side, you know, and you bring more of the, the screeching guitars to a lot of that. You know, I f- aspect. I feel like John is the the pop guy that keeps us on on the straight path, mm-hmm. and then Ethan is the guy that gets weird, and then there's the balance, and the and the the back and forth because like you you keep the the pop melodies like perfect, yeah. and then Ethan's like, let's do some weird guitar stuff, yeah. and I was like, yes, it's, that's beautiful. As long as you have that structure as the backbone, right? Yeah, you can go off of that and do whatever you want. Exactly. You know, really yeah, and it, I so. think that's it's a good way to go about it because, like, I don't want to be so so far out there that it's not relatable, like or familiar, and maybe maybe sometimes we do stuff that is like too familiar. But I think that's kind of listening to like early Led Zeppelin. It's like it's like comfort food. I don't know. Like it's like eating like a nice bowl of mac and cheese. It's like you can always go back to it, and it's still there. And like I know guitar-based music is kind of like not it's not as relevant anymore people want something different they're tired of hearing it but like i almost i I don't care (laughs) you know like it's just like i just like this is what i like this is what i like to have reflected and um and if you don't like it it's like goes into some pop beats and stuff and that's your thing but i don't know there's just something comforting in the old formulas i don't know it's it's just like a nice blanket (laughs) (laughs) 
it's nice and familiar. Yeah. And I mean, everything kind of comes and goes in waves too. Like, you know, what's relevant now might not be 10 years from now. You know, there will be, you know, ebbs and flows in terms of, you know, what comes back into the forefront. You know, it like there was the whole folk revival, you know, at the beginning of last decade with yeah. Mumford and Sons and the Lumineers, that kind of thing. Like everything's got a, everything has its place. And I yeah. think like- It goes in cycles, yeah. Yeah. I think if you're just looking at radio, like FM, mainstream, commercial, corporate radio, then yeah, there's a very narrow scope of what's hot right now, right? But if you go across this whole musical spectrum and all the ways we can discover music right now, there's room for everything in the landscape, I think. Yeah. And that's like the cool thing too. It's like, like when I first moved to Nashville, I was writing a lot of country music. I was doing the Americana singer songwriter thing, getting caught up in that. And I, and because I was younger and more impressionable too, I'm like, in Nashville, you get that vibe of being caught up in what's popular. You get kind of sucked into that. And I, that's why people come here. I get it. They want to make it in the business and so it's a business oriented it's like you write mm -hmm. pop songs with this in mind and you do it this way and you do this and that i feel like i kind of shed that over time because it just wore me down and so i kind of got to a point where i'm like i'm just gonna do what i want <laughs> like and if people don't like it it doesn't it doesn't matter i'm kind of like older and confident enough now to just like be like it's whatever like if you don't like it you don't like it there's stuff i don't like you know and it I finally feel at a point where there's like a confidence in the, especially now with this like album coming out, it kind of solidifies. It's like, this is who we are. This is our sound. Like, if you don't like it, then I'm sorry. But like, it's, it's, I feel good in the way that I was able to put like that business mindset completely out of sight, out of mind and be able to just focus on stuff I want to do. And like the guys have just, supported me this whole time musically and like stylistically and I feel like we've got to a point where I'm like this is the sound like this is it and so it was really nice to kind of come to that point after slogging through like the Nashville business and that that mindset creeping in like it's it's a mindset that I completely understand and like I get that's why people come here like I I totally get it this is where you go to do music business like but at the same time like you said because there's so many outlets to be who you really want to be it's like this other this other realm that you can exist and be successful in which is it's great there's two sides to nashville is basically what i'm trying to say like there's yeah. there's this underground side where people have that great confidence and like skill like there's amazing skilled players here and like they're doing what they want but then you can also like go see somebody writing like a perfect pop song like it's the dichotomy is amazing to me here mm -hmm. it's really interesting and th there's an art form to both i think yeah. right oh, totally yeah like i have mad respect for people that can craft like a perfect pop song like i feel like i don't have that skill necessarily like john has more of that skill where you can just come up with a melody and, and just like a, a great tagline and it's just direct and like i'm totally in awe of those people because i'm like i feel like i i can't do that i i can do other things but i can't do that and so it's it's incredible to see somebody just have such an efficient way of making a song <laughs> well and i think that's what makes us a, a good team and a good band is that you know we play to each other's strengths right. where I can help write the melodies. She can help 
write the lyrics and and take over all the lyrics because she's you know more of a songwriter mm-hmm. um you know and and we all kind of come together on the structure aspect of the songs so we we really try to play to each other's strengths in this band and and keep in those strengths and i think one one other thing i want to touch on here uh casey joe that you brought up you use the term melting pot and i think that's actually perfect you have all these influences you have all these places you've each been individually as musicians as people and you just put it in and you see what comes out especially on that more underground side where you're just creating what you want it's very important to kind of let creativity take its course there and see what happens because that result's going to be authentic to you and to what you put into it and you you guys have nailed that i think really like you can tell you. like you're just going in and you're creating Right. And when you listen through Twin Mind, if you haven't listened yet, I strongly suggest that you do, because you'll hear all these things coming into play. But it just all ties together and works together so well. I want to dig a little more into the creative process behind the record now. Uh, Now, Ethan, you were saying uh, you came in after the first couple songs were already on their way to being completed. So from your perspective coming in, what do you feel you were able to add to the process? Well, getting that mindset real quick. I think when I came in, the first song on the record, Schrodinger's Cat, was about 90% done. And we there was one other song in the works. I think it was Kerouac. Yeah. And um, I was just trying to like hit the ground running. And I was like, okay, well, this one song is like kind of like a grungy sludge boogie. And this other song is completely different. This is more like in the vein of, I don't know, maybe like Bruce Springsteen or something like that. So I was trying to like take those two uh, possible influences and find some some common ground in the middle and apply it to other songs. I was like, obviously going to be a very bluesy guitarist approach to this, but at the same time, I need to have a little bit of versatility and be able to basically just be able to go anywhere with this but still be in the same baseball field of rock and roll and country rock and blues rock and americana rock basically i just like okay now more than ever i need to be more than just your standard rock guitar player i need to be basically every single kind of rock guitar player that there is which i definitely you know have uh, inspirations in all of those fields now's my chance more than ever to essentially step up and become that person i remember even saying at one point this is a good chance for me to become a better uh major guitar player rather than a minor guitar player if there's any guitar players listening people who aren't guitar players minor guitar players and more serious led zeppelin style players or major players are more like allman brothers band and uh I don't want to say Grateful Dead because they do something else completely different, but more of a, <laughs> a, a power uh, rock guitar player. That was my chance to just kind of be the guitarist that I wanted to be in. And I've kind of, I have feel like I've come into that role pretty good. Also, there was opportunities for me to do other things too, which I've always wanted to not just be a guitar player, but also, you know, help sculpt the songs and add stuff here and there which I had a chance to do on Twin Mine. There are songs where I played like pedal steel guitar and harmonica. Certainly, you know, it, it challenged you to play a different role perhaps than you had ever played before in, in a project. Again, you can hear, uh, you know, you hear all these different styles and influences coming into the pot and, you know, it helps to have that guitarist that can step up and have that voice, right? And sir, you were able to do that. So I, I commend you for your efforts there. And so for, you, you know, for everybody, as far as favorite moments on the record, uh, if it's a song, a particular moment in the song, what would you say really stands out to you? 
I really liked the song Sisters in Prison, which is one of the more traditional or the traditional blues song on the album. Uh, that one, I think I was most proud of my my vocal takes. I feel like I don't have total confidence as a singer. Like I've always just thought of myself as a songwriter and it's taken me a long time to like kind of step into that role as a singer and performer. And I feel like when we were doing Sisters, like you can hear it on now we get into the psychedelic harmonies, all mm-hmm. this these overdubs, this great layered stuff. But with Sisters, I just wanted it stripped down. I wanted a chess record style, just like just four four instruments, like no not a lot of effects other than like some reverb, just some really traditional bass stuff. Like I wanted it to sound like it was something coming out of the fifties. Like, and so it was definitely a departure from like a lot of the other more, for lack of a better, like Beach Boys, Beatlesy kind of instrumentation where we would get mm-hmm. experimental layered harmonies, that kind right. of thing. And I was like, nope, sisters, it's just going to be bare bones. And just as something something different on there and I just was really proud of how it turned out. I was proud of my vocal take. It kind of speeds up and does a grungy thing at the end, which is the the not traditional part of it that um that the guys kind of put together, I think when we were writing. I think that was y'all's idea and it just like I think because you John you wanted it to not be a traditional blues sign he's like let's do let's do something kind of like to amp it up and at first I wasn't sure about it but like it it grew on me over time and like became one of my favorite parts of the the album and so I personally that that was my favorite song off the album I don't know why I hated Sisters in Prison at first because that song has grown on me uh, a whole lot yeah you really didn't like yeah um (laughs) <laughs> but no, it it grew on me after after a while. But I mean, I w- I would think my favorite parts of recording this was just our work ethic of going into the studio <laughs> and you know being able to lay down nine songs. And I was proud of us for being really efficient in the studio. Yeah, yeah, we were able to be really efficient and just we knew what we wanted and we went in there and did it. Um, my. I'm, I'm, I might be biased on this because I sing the song, but it keeps me on the run really struck me because when we were writing that song, I think it was, you know, my timeline might be a little bit off on this, but I think it was pretty much right after Tom Petty died. Mm-hmm. And we all actually went to go see Tom Petty together. Yeah, we had Banfield trip. Yeah, so for that moment, and to be able to sing that song and to be able to play on that song really hit a chord with me and, and like really solidify that this band is is awesome and this band is something that I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we can all, you know, share that together is really something cool mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you definitely hear that sense of togetherness too. You know, you definitely hear like everybody does have their own voice here in terms of their contributions. But there is that sense of like this was a group effort. This was a team coming together and putting the work into this. Yeah. You know, and that does come through on It Keeps Me on the Run on on several. uh, I think every song on the album really has that has that sense of like you just got in there and did the work. You stuck with it to make it as good as it could be yeah and i mean uh you know some of that credit definitely needs to go to uh our old bass player anthony who you know 
was in there with us and you know going going into this process you know we knew that we were going to lose him because he was going back to florida mm-hmm. um so he was leaving the band and so i think it was a little more special for us to capture his bass playing his contributions to this band mm-hmm. and put it on this album for him and for us you know as well you know some of his bass lines i still go back and listen to and i'm like man that guy just <laughs> yeah he was a great he was he was a very talented bass player very young but very talented mm-hmm. man and and you know it it showed in that record and and i you know playing drums and being the the backbone and having him play with me was awesome because mm-hmm. he knew where i was going when i was going like he knew exactly you know what to do so that that definitely helped out in in the recording as well mm-hmm. i think like when we went in there we we scheduled it specifically so we could have him on it before he left so we're just like <laughs> oh crap we gotta we gotta get this done so <laughs> yeah he was like m- literally moving the next day and yeah wow it he, felt he had one day to do everything i think right it, it felt yeah. really <laughs> like he was he he joined the band like shortly after i did and he essentially you know, helped write all these songs with us. And it was like a really big moment for us because we weren't sure if like after he left, if if we were even going to continue. Right. Because like none of us really wanted to go back to the drawing board with a new person. Then the next thing I know, we're in the studio, we're tracking everything. Anthony's, we're on a time crunch. We got to get all these songs, uh, drums and bass recorded in one day because tomorrow we don't have a bass player. Wow. And is it was a miracle. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe yeah. that you guys pulled that off in one because yeah. it took it took us like three full days in the studio just to get all the guitars done. You guys did all the drums and bass in one day. That was awesome. All the more impressive, I think. Yeah. That was great. Ethan, did you have any uh, particular favorite moments that jump out? Yeah, I'll take this time to give some necessary shout outs. Um, I've always wanted to make a full length record and this was the, like the perfect time to do it. And I was lucky enough to go into my favorite place in the in the world that'd be the bomb shelter i'm gonna um, shout out drew and the guys over there but if i had to say and this is gonna sound kind of funny but if i had to say there was one definitive moment that sticks out you guys weren't even here for this the day we tracked keyboards and organs oh Dave. i'm gonna shout out uh david crutcher he was referred to me by our uh friend nellen dryden who just put out a single um which is great this guy came in he did not practice with us at all I didn't have to give him any notes and just being in an all analog studio, watching him play an analog Hammond B3 chopped version. I can't remember exactly what it was into like a early seventies. I'm not exactly sure what year Leslie cabinet and just breathe fire through that thing. It was amazing that I didn't know what to do with myself afterwards. (laughs) It was, and we were only in there for like two hours. He, he did it so fast with no notes. It was incredible. I was like, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. It was great. Uh, props to you, David. That was awesome. Seeing songs like, uh, narrator and, sisters in prison come come together because we spent so much time on narrator i remember specifically thinking when we were hearing like one of the final mixes back of that song i was like finally does it feel (laughs) does it feel like all that time we spent on that song was worth it oh Mm -hmm. yeah we spent at least six months working on the structure of that song at least yeah it was 
it was insane. So I somebody I don't know if it's you, Ethan, just referred to that song as a battleship. Like yeah. it's just There's like so this... many moving parts to that song. Yeah. And it's... then on the complete opposite flip side of that song, I felt like we spent very little time. Like when Casey mentioned the song "Sisters in Prison," that song just came together like really fast. It was almost freaky fast how we put the coda together towards the end, and it was just done. And then we also went into the studio with the same attitude. We spent very little time on it. We tracked it, did very few punch-ins that I can remember, and we did very little meddling with it in the mixing process. And it still sounds to me one of the one of the best sounding songs on the record so like having two sides of the, of the same coin where like a we have this one side where we spent months producing and pre-production getting ready and then this other song where we spent virtually no time on it at all and they both sound great two of the best sounding songs on the record in my opinion and they're like t- in the sound because there's so many layers to narrator too like and it's like aside from the structure of it like the production it they're like the two opposite songs on the album too and the, I think I, I I agree I think they're the two best sounding songs on the record and they're just from totally opposite universes in certain respects so all those moments and more on twin mind the new album out from casey joe and the friday night dads it's on all your streaming platforms and so coming up a little bit on time but first i want to know about the future now you had a chance to put this record out where do you go from here obviously covid pending because you know we're in this crazy time in all of our lives right now but if you could give a glimpse of what the future holds or what you would like to see happen here going forward what would that be well we've already started work on the next record i feel like how long did it take us to do twin mile like two years start to finish uh if you count writing three years total about a year to write yeah, a year to record it was a long, and, and we're talking about going in the studio and like knocking this stuff out but the actual like process after it, it took forever it took forever yeah and then and about like, a year after we finished recording covid had hit and messed up all of our plans mm-hmm. and completely drew out the release process thankfully we were able to get it out before this crazy election that we won't talk any about um <laughs> we were able to do that but because it took so long we ended up writing basically a whole nother album's worth of material in that time yeah well and and also we you know for this album we wanted to do vinyl and, and we wanted to and that was the process in itself which yeah gotta be patient you know it, but it worked out <laughs> right but i mean also you know we we did a little fundraiser for it and surprisingly hit our goal and i think we were all surprised about i know we were like floored or we like people like us. It's so <laughs> nice. and so like and that too like we are so appreciative of like our little community of family and friends musicians and stuff that like really like like championed it and like helped out with the fundraiser and just shout out on social media all that stuff and i'm like it seems so silly but like we were so touched that by the response that because sometimes it feels like you're in a vacuum in nashville and it can be competitive and all this other stuff but at the same time it's like when you finally carve out your community here people are so supportive and just like it's like once you kind of establish your little your little group there it, it you don't feel like you're in a vacuum anymore and it's like it's been we've been so like we've felt so loved like it's 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 nice like i don't know i guess the cynical like pessimistic side of me is just like oh i'm like we're doing this for nothing but like then you see something like that you see the outside world come come back 
to you and it's just like really it's really touching and so like and thank you to anybody that's listening this like even just like mentioned us on instagram donated you know come out to our shows like it's it means a lot like it it it, like every little bit is so meaningful especially in the the crazy world and i'm glad that we're able to keep moving forward with that support mm-hmm. yeah future future is bright we just like yeah. like she said we just started working on an actual new album mm-hmm. you know just released this one and just started basically putting yeah, our noses keep on rolling yeah and, so and we've since have a new bass player josh who's working today <laughs> but uh he's actually done a lot in the writing process yeah he's us. he came right. in and like he's a guitar player too and like he just like right off the bat was like contributing like writing ideas he just fit right in like the kind of democratic process that we were all like he just he just slid right in there and like so a lot of um, the new stuff too is like stuff that he's contributed and he's become such like a core member of the band writing wise that I've even talked, I was like, we need to drop my name from the, from the band and just be the Friday night dads because it's, it's become such an equal part like collaboration and because it started out because I was like, okay, I wrote these songs and I need a band and like mm-hmm. dictating, but I was like, I'm glad it's, it's become less of that and more equal in the in the collaboration and i've learned how to collaborate like that was something i was never i was like a lone wolf and it's nice to learn how to successfully collaborate with people that are on that wavelength and it's just it's it was such a good good experience and we finally found josh to replace anthony and he just he just came right in there to start he had no qualms like super confident and just he's like i have this idea for a song and it was it just fit right in and it was perfect yeah i think this new album might be a little more different than twin minds this might be a little bit more indie rock than we expected it's it's definitely going to be completely different we're Twin Mind was all analog. We tried to use the least amount of digital effects possible. They're in there, but like we kind of wanted to stick to the analog effect. But this next one, I like to think that we're essentially taking off the leash. Pushing the envelope forward. I love it. Continuing to create Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads. Joining us here, Twin Mind out now. More music to come, of course. And I want to thank y'all for joining here today. Like I said, we are coming up on time, but before we sign off, I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can learn more about you online. Well, we are on Spotify, Amazon Music, all those streaming channels. If you search Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads, we are on Facebook. Is it slash Friday Night Dads on Facebook? Yeah, yeah slash um, Friday Night Dads. And Instagram is just Friday Night Dads, all one thing. And then what I always forget. Twitter is CJFND. Okay, we did. I keep thinking it's the old one. We changed it to be more efficient. It's a long band name. <laughs> Twitter's so. hard. It's hard to pick a username on Twitter because yeah. you have like a sixteen character limit. Yeah. So if but. you want to be, if we want to be exact on Twitter, it's underscore all caps oh. cjfd <laughs> underscore. I'm sorry. And don't forget I, the at. I forgot. I forgot the underscores. My bad. Yeah. Oh Add man. Everything. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah. So we're we're on there. Um. I feel like we're most active on Instagram, so we have we have our vinyl for sale too, and and t-shirts just got on the websites. Yeah, Bandcamp. It's on Bandcamp, but we have to fix the PayPal. 
<laughs> hopefully by the, hopefully by the date this is published it will be yeah completely if not just made. hit us up on instagram we'll hook it yeah. up for you if you guys want vinyl we got t-shirts all that good stuff so we have we have a limited amount of the vinyl left so if you guys want it feel free to hit us up or check out the band camp which i think is also cjfnd if i remember correctly i'm sure if they google you too yeah it'll, oh, yeah. it'll come up oh, yeah. old goggle machine mm-hmm. so make sure you type them into the goggle machine and all the machines and make sure you also <laughs> follow the quinn spin two ends and quinn two ends and spin we're on spotify apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, more, as well as on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also learn more about the show at undergroundmusiccollective.com, our central hub, and you can learn more about UMC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube, as well as the UMC 20 playlist on Spotify. Twin Mind out now from Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads, and our closing theme song is We Want the Night from the Mad Sugars, which I'm going to let do its job right now. See you in December. Hey now. Hey now.